I've been trying to remember my shower thoughts lately. Here's one. Imagine a tree bragging for giving shade, or a pot thinking it is doing as a favor for holding water. Just imagine. Samba, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Antonio Rongangi, and once again, welcome to the walk, welcome to the journey. I just wanted to have a conversation on this one. From the feedback I received, the episode with very personal insight were the ones you enjoy the most. I know all the wisdom-ish and guru mambo-jambo can be found anywhere online. So I will do my best to keep it more personal, and that is the reason why this very audio experience was conceived. So for today, uh, there is something I wanted to discuss, and that came from going through the motions and embracing the fact that I could not produce more episodes or chapters as we call them. This time made me explore the idea of self-sacrifice. I'm sure there are several ways of looking at the same same discussion we're about to have, but this is just one perspective worth considering. So before we dive into the details, here's a short story that I know too well. Being born in a Christian family and a Christian society gave us a pre-established notion of what was acceptable. Morality and social norms were inspired by religious prescriptions. The ideal was to please God according to rules set by our religious affiliations. We already had the relationship or relationships with others, family, friends, neighbors, and all that, and we had to build one with the Creator. This relationship with the Creator was understood as a parent-child-like relationship. You are their favorite if you act in a way they approve of. If you make a mess, could be the black sheep. The reward for acting in a way approved by God, which simply meant acting according to religious prescriptions, was getting blessings in this world and the one to come. The ideal was to just be a good Christian in my case and that of my friend. Christianity has sacrifice at the center of its essence. The story of the religion itself, like many others, start with self-denial, from Abraham leaving his home and everything he knew, to Moses, to the judges, kings and prophets, to Jesus, up to the apostles. I wanted to throw in the story of Mary and Joseph, who had a plan for their lives, and then, boom, <laughs> Mary's pregnant. All right, the Holy Spirit did it. Self-sacrifice seems to be a common theme across all these characters and stories. I believe there is a bigger purpose, there's a bigger meaning to this idea of self-sacrifice in these stories, but maybe I haven't understood it yet, or I'll have to investigate it a little further. Nevertheless, we practiced a different type of self-sacrifice. Was it our love for God, or our fear for hell, or our greed for all we could get from pleasing God. It was all binary. You are either doing the right thing or the wrong thing. Life would punish you or reward you depending on how you have been, according to how you've been acting, of course. An act of self-sacrifice meant being good to others even when they're not good to you. Keep off alcohol, sex, other drugs, and just not being impulsive. Basically, following the Ten Commandments and you will be all right. Well, the standard for what was right and what was wrong seemed very narrow, but we did what we thought was right. We knew what was acceptable according to social norms and religious prescription. Our job was to strive and uphold what was taught to us. It was all simple until we became young adults. Some of my friends and I, once we became adults, were conflicted about a lot of things. 
Picture us at 19, far from home in an environment where some of the sinful things are part of lifestyle. Temptation is all over the place. I drank a little bit of alcohol, but I never smoked weed. I believed smoking weed was buying myself a plane ticket straight to hell. Sex was another thing. I wanted it. It was available. Good one. So I thought. But I knew it was bad. The struggle went on as a gray area between many other things became bigger, getting larger and larger. You can't decide what's right and what's wrong. Life seems to just be happening and you're just in the middle of it. You're feeling certain things and you can't focus because you're feeling those things. You can't stand still in the middle of certain storms and you have to keep your cool. You have to, to maintain your composure. The black and white was no longer viable because things were changing. I turned back to my original values sometimes, but they were not really serving me that much. Some religious theories and assumptions just made no sense at all. It felt like we were prepared for heaven, but not for this world. We knew how to praise and worship like angels, <laughs> but dealing with certain things that were battling inside of us was just another thing. Due to the imposing gray area, I chose a life of sacrifice, self-sacrifice, like many of my friends did. It was not just about foregoing my interests for others, but also embracing the trial and self-denial. I want something, but I'm not getting it. I'm drawn toward something, toward an experience, but I'm not going. In return, I expected life to smile at me. After all, I was a good guy. I did not always make the best decisions, but I did my best to march toward righteousness. I was involved in church, wrote and performed Christian rap songs, attended most conferences and youth programs, trying to do better than what I perceived to be sinful. However, my life was not doing that great. Those who cared less about God around me, had a lot of sex and drank four days a week, were doing better than I was. My own friends did better without fasting and praying. It took me a while to come face to face with my sense of entitlement. I felt entitled to blessings in this life and the one to come. I felt like God should have known me by name and wake up every morning and look at me to be like, oh yeah, you didn't drink last night when everybody else was drinking and you could have joined them. You didn't have sex last night, even when that girl tried to get you to go to her place. Kid, you're doing well. Here are the blessings. Shower in the blessings. Well, I thought I was so much of a good guy because I felt guilty for even kissing and touching someone. I felt guilty for getting drunk beyond a certain point. I gave my life to the moral code and I did it better than many I perceived around me. I deserved the attention of God, but it seems like he had fallen asleep on me. I got frustrated and I reached a breaking point. I had sex for the first time, stayed guilty for weeks, then had some more sex. I stopped going to church, I meditated instead of praying, and that is when all just unlocked itself. I saw beyond my sense of definition of self-sacrifice. I had to pass through that level of frustration and make stupid decisions, maybe. I feel like it was necessary for me to go through that battle so I can see beyond the sense of self-sacrifice, the sense of entitlement, and realize that it's not about me. It has never been about me, at least not me alone. It's a bigger picture, it's an unfolding story.
Common definitions present the idea of self-sacrifice as an act of letting go of the self, a willingness to forego personal pleasures or undergo personal trials in the pursuit of the increased good of others or of another. It's also defined as sacrifice of oneself or one's interest for others or for a cause or an ideal. It is basically an act of self-denial. And beyond it, what do you find? First, it is not a sustainable strategy for a good life. Everyone can make sacrifices a few times, but it gets problematic when it becomes our ideal image of service to others or God. That is because it's created this idea of instead. I am doing this for you instead of doing this for myself. I am doing this instead of that. I am compromising on what I think I need for some reason's sake. When repeated, there will be a sense of deficiency. Every human being can only do enough, especially when they are doing it with their ego. The ego has limited supply of everything, joy, kindness, anger, and all those qualities. Once a pocket of your personality feels lacking, or your expected reward is not arriving the way you want it to arrive, you may rebel and feel wasted. So, removing the instead creates more harmony between you and the action you are taking. It is what you want to do. You do this for someone because you want to, because you choose to. You are not trying to fulfill some type of personal value or trying to score some twisted self-esteem chips. As said by the Christ, I lay my life down. It is intentional. It is deliberate. It is what you want to do. You choose to do it. And if you want to be an asshole but act otherwise in the name of self-sacrifice, it doesn't change what which you are. In Swahili they say, Tenda mema nenda zako. Do good and move along. That is wisdom. Just do what you want to do. Not in the name of any self-sacrifice because that's not a long-term strategy for good life. If self-sacrifice makes you feel good, very soon it will not. Second, self-sacrifice reinforced the illusion of a separate ego. In chapter 7, we spoke of the idea of broken communion. The episode covered the four types of alienation defined as the state of being separated from something. Speaking on the idea of separate ego or one state of alienation, Alan Watts refers to it as the act of separating the I from reality. This I is what Zarathustra refers to as not that which says I, but that which does I. This comes out practically when we say, don't believe what people say, watch what they do. You will know them from their actions and not just what they tell you they are. When the I that does I gets disconnected from reality, your separate ego, then it embraces the idea of self-sacrifice, something funny happens. All sense of duty goes through the window, and depending on how much sacrifice you think you are making, your ego grows as well. The more it grows, the more disconnected from reality you become. No wonder sometimes our president don't even know what's going on. And no wonder why we have titles for those who care about human welfare as if they were doing a favor to a race they belong to. We call them 
philanthropists, humanitarian, goodwill ambassadors. There is no sense of duty in those. I am rich, I can live in a castle and never get to care about how your life is going. I am separated from you, therefore from your problems and that of society. If I do something about anything, it is self-offering, a sacrifice. Finally, a sense of duty is best suited for a good life. By good life, I don't mean one without pain or any forms of suffering. It is simply a meaningful one, one in which you can experience reality the best way possible on your own terms. One in which you are connected as the I that does I, connected to reality, connected to a sense of creation and connected to other people around you. This sense of duty provides direction and gives value to the I as it grows in confidence and more connected to reality. It is the existential effect of having a job you love, one that you think you were born for. Extra hours are never extra hours, they are simply play time. Extra play time. Self-sacrifice does not exist in this dimension because you are doing what you believe deep down you were created for. It is something you are willing to invest your life into without expecting anything in return. I will call it purpose, but let's call it sense of duty. Imagine a pot that doesn't hold water or feels like it's doing others a favor for holding water. Imagine a tree that has leaves but feels entitled to a reward when it gives shade. Doesn't make sense, does it? We have been endowed with certain abilities and potentialities. It is our role to discover them and place them to the service of others. What you do for yourself is simply caused by a simple rule, a principle. You cannot give if you don't have. You can't fill someone's cup if you have nothing in yours. And since life is relational, what we do will be done to us, and the cycle will go on until we die. You do something, it will be done to you, and you will do it again, it will be done to you, and the cycle will go on. So every time you do something to someone, you're doing it for yourself. This might sound idealistic, but what is the meaningfulness of life if we cannot live it better than we do? And this better way could simply look like the belief that you are being given much more than you are asked to give. It is what you were meant for and you can fully see that once you go beyond self-sacrifice. Thank you for joining me today. Stay blessed. <laughs>